This is Victoria of TheUnleashedHeart.com, and you're listening to Grieving Voices, a podcast for hurting hearts who desire to be heard, or anyone who wants to learn how to better support loved ones experiencing loss. As a 30-plus year griever and advanced grief recovery method specialist, I know how badly the conversation around grief needs to change. Through this podcast, I aim to educate grievers and non-grievers alike, spread hope, and inspire compassion toward those hurting. Lastly, by providing my heart with ears and this platform, grievers have the opportunity to share their wisdom and stories of loss and resiliency. How about we talk about grief like we talk about the weather? Let's get started. This episode is sponsored by Do Grief Differently, my 12-week in-person or online program that helps grievers who have suffered any type of loss to feel better. In Do Grief Differently, you learn new tools, education, and a method you can utilize the rest of your life. In this program, and with my guidance, you remove the pain of grief. The sadness will always be there because even in complicated relationships, we love but it's the pain of grief that keeps us stuck. Are you ready to do grief differently? Check out my website, www.theunleashedheart.com to learn more. Thank you for tuning in to Grieving Voices. Today, my guest is Jill Badiancilla. She is the founder of Together We Heal Community in Elk Grove, California. She is a wife and mother of two teenage children, After her biological father died in a plane crash when she was just 16 months old, she spent her childhood and early adulthood avoiding any topic on death. In her early 40s, God flipped the switch on her heart and mission for her life and wove all her life experiences into her nonprofit she now runs with the help of dedicated volunteers to serve those struggling with loss in its many forms. Thank you so much, Jill, for being here and for being my first guest as far as my new format for 2023 goes for highlighting nonprofit, not-for-profit organizations, foundations, things that people have created from the pain of their lives into purpose. And welcome to Grieving Voices. Thank you for having me. I'm very interested in your story of what led to the work you're doing today and how that has transformed and changed over time. Did you find yourself on this path? I mean, as you described in your bio a little bit, you you were kind of on this path for many years, but what did it look like early on after so much loss in your life? First of all, my mother remarried uh, when I was three to my stepfather, whom I don't call my stepfather. He is... uh, God's gift to me. When my dad, when my biological father passed away, I was 16 months old. Um, My mom was living out on a ranch. She was, she did have support. She had a lot of family support. And I think she had such a hard time grieving as a young widow that, you know, I really became her, her source of comfort. And, And I received counseling all of my childhood. Um, I have a half brother who's four years younger than I am. Um, my mom was very invested in my well-being, making sure that I got the help that I needed. So I had therapy all through my childhood into my adulthood. I had a lot of trauma. I wrote my mom a letter every single night. I remember when I was in grade school and I was so afraid that she was going to go next. 
I was so afraid of losing the people that I love. So I had a lot of just, I think, trauma and grief growing up that A was always going to equals B. Even as my um, family, I had my own family and they grew up, I still had this thought that, oh my goodness, they're going to go, they're going to go next. Um, my father died in a, in a plane accident. One morning he just went out and didn't come back. And so um, that was, that was a, a continued thought that, that was going to happen over and over. And so I, I didn't want to talk about death. I didn't want to think about death. I, I had a hard time even imagining anyone else that I loved leaving. And unfortunately, because you live and when you live long enough, you, you experience grief. So I lost all my grandparents. Um, I had three sets of grandparents and they all passed away very quickly in a very close period of time. And I just didn't want to think about it. I didn't want to talk about it. Every time I talked about it, I would break down. And then I realized after many, many years of therapy that I was still grieving. I mean, I was in my 40s driving somewhere thinking, what am I doing? Um, and my, my purpose in life, am I doing it yet? And it, the clear answer was no, I was not. But God was really weaving all of my life experiences together to make this my purpose. And it, it wasn't until my 40s that I realized, oh, I need to do something with this and I need to use my pain for a purpose. That was his specific words to me. Use your pain for purpose. Now it's time. So what were you doing? before this took root in your heart and started to evolve? So I actually have a degree in psychology, which I didn't use, then went on to get a teaching credential and a master's in education, but then, and taught for a while, but had children and stopped. And then when my children were small, I started a jewelry business. And that jewelry business was hand-stamped jewelry. I taught myself how to stamp this jewelry and it became this custom local business and people would come into my studio at home and they wanted to put something. Um, a lot of people were coming to me because they wanted to create something as a memorial. So many of my pieces were just mother's necklaces, important anniversaries, uh, Valentine's Day, Christmas gifts, initials, and things like that. But I did have a growing number of people who were coming into my studio because they lost someone. And I did not understand this connection at first. But over and over and over again, people would be standing in my studio with me. We are creating this piece together. I'm writing stuff down. And within five minutes, they're crying. And I'm hugging them. And I'm offering comfort to them. And I'm thinking, what is happening? This is, this is not my platform. This was not what I was supposed to do, but God knew better. He was weaving all of my life experiences, my psychology degree, my teaching degree, being a mother, being a griever together. I remember talking to my life coach at the time and I was saying, I, I don't know if I should continue with this jewelry business. You know, my children are growing up and am I missing things? And I just feel like maybe this is not what I'm supposed to do. And we talked a little bit about my history, uh, my grief. And she said, why don't you use what you have and just start something, start somewhere. And so that's what I did. I mean, it, it really was 
the jewelry business was the vessel to the nonprofit. And I still do the jewelry business, but but it is not my heart anymore. And my I really have become comfortable with the idea that maybe the jewelry business fades away because it got me here. And this is this is my heart. This is what I am meant to do. I love that story. And I'm curious if you personally felt like a failure when you decided to end that business or if other people made the assumption that you had failed in some way. That is such a good question because I've struggled with that for the last year. Uh, You know, starting the nonprofit is I'm obviously it's a grassroots organization and I am a lot of I wear a lot of the hats and I had this conversation with one of my best friends just a couple of weeks ago that I do, I don't like to quit anything. And I haven't officially quit the jewelry business. You know, my website is still up. I still get orders. I still actually use a lot of my pieces. Uh, I make memorial bracelets that people, that kits that people can put together. And there's a little paperwork to fill out about their favorite memories of their loved ones. So I, I definitely praying about when, if and when this completely goes away, the jewelry business goes away. But I do know that the nonprofit has gotten to a point where I can't do it all myself. And I do have an amazing executive board and I have wonderful volunteers that help me in different areas of the nonprofit. But I know that I can't half-ass this. So if I'm doing these two things, one is going to give. And it's just been the jewelry business has been fading. I definitely went through a period of time where I felt like, no, this isn't this isn't what I first envisioned the jewelry business to be. But through talking with friends, talking with my therapist, it is it wasn't a failure at all. It was a success because it it led me to Together We Heal community. And I didn't know that was the end result, but God did. I bring that up because there was, I'm a child griever as well. My dad passed away when I was eight, but there was a period of time. I had a photography business, very much like you, a creative outlet Mm -hmm. business. And I found myself writing, I would write blog posts about my clients and people would comment more about my writing than they did the pictures. Although they were beautiful pictures and they loved the pictures, but I always got comments about the writing. People loved what I had to share, how I saw them, right? Like young 17, 18 year old girls, I would write about what I saw in them or families or a wedding couple. And it was storytelling is what I was doing. And they loved reading how I perceived them. And I had decided to start a blog, a personal blog, and decided I needed to close that business. I felt a calling for something more, kind of like you, right? And I, I do have a point in bringing this up. This podcast isn't about me, it's about you. But I'm, I want people listening to understand that when we find our purpose, the path there doesn't always make sense, right? And so when closing that business, I felt like a failure. And I felt And people thought I failed too, but I knew that I had to let that go in order for something else to make room for this other thing that was really burning inside of me. And that was writing. And I wrote a book and that led to some losses in between, which 
made me realize, oh my gosh, I'm not okay. I was fine for a lot of years. I thought I was fine, which led to me becoming a grief counselor. And, you know, so it's like everything leads to the next thing. Nothing is wasted. No, that is, I think that's been a very big component of Together We Heal community is letting certain things go so that other things can come up and be brought to the light, brought to, to the surface. Um, we do, I think we have a lot of expectations about ourselves growing up, whether it's, you know, just things that expectations that were put on us, or if you're like me, I have my own expectations that I obviously need to let go in order for other things to come to fruition. And life has a way of putting those things, confronting us with those things, right, that we need to work through so that we can get to that point of seeing the opportunity and recognizing the potential within ourselves. And I will add that throughout my journey with my jewelry business, I did blog a little bit and that also helped me realize my true purpose. And I was Never, the only time I was ever truly passionate like I am with Together We Heal Community was when I was writing stories, the stories behind the pieces that I was making. And I love doing that. Don't get me wrong. I love helping people through their stories in creating jewelry. It's just, just blazed a trail for me to start Together We Heal community. And when I talk about people, when I talk to people about the nonprofit, I feel like that passion really comes out. It's so easy to tell my story now because my story is not unlike a lot of people's story. They just don't know it yet. They think, oh, I'm alone. I'm I'm the only one experiencing this. I don't want to burden anybody else with this because they're happy and I'm the one that's stuck here. But the more you tell your story, the more people open up about their own. Or find an outlet to release the story. Yes. To tap into the feelings of what actually you've experienced. And I think that's the thing is so often we get caught up in the story. Mm -hmm. We we recite it like a recipe card. Well, and then this Mm -hmm. happened and then, and then, and then, and we don't really get to the nitty gritty of, of how it's making us feel and the impact Mm -hmm. it's had on us. I want to ask you a question as I think it's important for those listening, because you mentioned, unlike me, you had therapy much of your life, most of your life, all through your childhood. I mean, again, nothing is wasted, but I'm just more curious because of what I do. I deal with grief specifically. Do you feel like it wasn't helpful for your grief specifically? I don't know. Do you still see a therapist? Do you mind me asking? Yes, I do. She's amazing. And I would not be where I am today if I if I didn't have her. In fact, I think I see her tomorrow. <laughs> and that's not a failure either, right? Just oh. because you're seeing a therapist, that doesn't mean you're like broken or messed up or well, number like one, we're all broken. We are all broken. And I don't sugarcoat that. There are parts in our life that break us. And I don't think that we're truly healed until we're that brokenness is is wide open for us to see. And I am a big proponent of therapy. You don't have to be depressed. You don't have to be at rock bottom to seek counseling. Now, I think counseling is is complicated because number one, I think people think I don't need to tell someone my problem. Uh, I know what they're going to say. And it's expensive, can be expensive right now in the in uh, our world. 
there is a shortage of them. Finally, seek one. You're often just met with walls. You know, oh, it's a three month waiting period. Oh, I'm not taking new clients. Oh, you know, or or you get to a therapist and it's been it's been a difficult journey to get there and then you don't like them. Mm. So people often think I had one therapy. It was one therapy session. It was terrible. Okay, I always say try therapy. If you don't like the person, you can give them up. You can try someone new. My therapist knows me. She is by the books, you know, she does not co-mingle personal, even though I have her cell phone and she's connected me with a bunch of other therapists. She draws the line with, you know, professional and, and personal. I've seen her for, I don't know, 15 years off and on. Sometimes I would go every every other week. Sometimes I go every, every once a year, just as maintenance. I call it maintenance. And it's healthy. Sometimes I'm driving there and I'm thinking, I don't know what I'm going to talk to her about today. And then I just spew my guts for an hour and I feel so much lighter and she has this perspective that I don't have. So it's important, I think, but I don't think therapy is necessarily for everyone. And that's okay. You need to find an outlet. And that's one of the reasons why we offer, and I know we can get into that later, Mm -hmm. but we offer outside of the box opportunities to heal because not everybody wants to go to therapy. They look at therapy and they go, no, no, no. Okay. There's, there's a myriad of other ways that we can help you. Absolutely. And I don't know if you've ever heard of grief recovery. Have you? No, not specifically grief recovery. Is it a method? Is it? It a- is a method. The grief recovery method. Yes. 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 I okay. Heard that. that is the one thing that helped me. I did have a. I did attend therapy sessions in my early twenties. Hypnotherapy, things like that, and much like what you mentioned, like my experience was not beneficial for me. But mm. I think we we come into our own time when we might be ready for something like that. Sure. I think too, sometimes we aren't ready to hear it. We aren't ready to really dig deep. And I can tell you then in my early twenties, I certainly was not ready. And so I think we all have our own time in that when that happens, but. I agree. And I think that as a griever, our society doesn't know how to deal with grief. We don't know how to talk about it. We don't know how to come alongside someone in their grief. We don't know. We are uncomfortable with hard conversations. So often people are afraid to express to the griever that I don't know how to help you. And sometimes that is just sit with me or there's a timeline to grief. You know, it's, it's been a year, right? You're good, right? You got, you got through the first anniversary. You're good. I don't know how to help you. I expect you to be okay. And then they, they start you know, they're back to their regular life. And so it's important for people to not compare where they are in their grief with anybody else's. And the other point that I make to people who are grieving is you don't owe anybody any explanation as to where you are in your grief. I have come across people who are very stuck and I don't see them pulling themselves out of that. And there is frustration with the people around them that are trying to help them and are invested in helping them with their grief, but grief can't be fixed, but we can go through it. We can go through it on the other side. I myself have experienced that uh, grief and joy at the same time, but we cannot compare, even if it's five years down the road, 
where where somebody else is in five years later. Grief is so individual. That's exactly why I started this podcast, Grieving Voices, to educate people on how, one, they can move through it themselves, and two, how they can learn through people's stories, how to support other people. And like this year, highlighting how people have moved through it themselves and now are supporting humanity on a greater scale. And it doesn't have to be this grand thing, right? I've never heard of Together We Heal with Community. And so this is part of my own curiosity too. Like what what is out there? What resources and what what wonderful things are people doing? And so it's out of my own pure curiosity too, that I've decided to make that a focus of my podcast this year. So let's talk about how this started because you had no experience, right? You had, I had no, no, I, my only experience was grief. (laughs) Uh, I'm a people person. I'm a connector. And I just knew I needed to start with a platform where it was everything that's out there about grief in one in one place. So I brought together some people who were willing to start a website with me and we divided it into different areas of grief, you know, loss of a spouse, loss of a parent, loss of a child, loss through divorce, loss through suicide. And we tried to make it this comprehensive website that encompassed everything that's out there in the Sacramento area into one place. So my goal is to really make Together We Heal community a starting point. And, you know, I'm the first to say I am not a licensed clinician, but I am an experienced griever. And I think that counts for a lot. And so we started with this website and it took us about two years to build. And everyone who wrote the pages on the website were an experienced griever in that area. My dear friend, who wrote the miscarriage page, she has experienced two miscarriages. And what she found actually as a a closed off person was after she wrote that page and then started meeting people in her arena that that had, had experienced miscarriage, she could easily talk about it. It was healing for her. And she realized, gosh, so many women experience miscarriage. Um, So We started the website and then my next step was, okay, let's start getting some things going in Elk Grove because I, our community is close knit, uh, but there isn't, there isn't a lot out there to help grievers. And I, I just really wanted to touch on different experiences, you know, somatic mindfulness, you know, when we experience grief, where do we feel it in our bodies and how can we how can we tackle grief from the side? You know, you don't have to talk about grief, but just come here and be with us. Come be with other grievers. So we then started a, a grief support group. We started different workshops that uh, are that are healing and easy to come to. You know, there's no pressure when you come to any of these, we call them workshops. It's just come as you are. And get this gift of this amazing people. But amazing people have come into this. And a lot of my facilitators don't even charge Together We Heal community for their time. They are also of service. I have attracted people who want to give back. And I'm so blessed 
to have those people come alongside me and and uh, create these services for our community. So we have writing as a healing art, and you can come come to that class and write about anything. It doesn't have to be about your grief. You're given a writing prompt. Uh, the facilitator is a griever herself, um, but she's also a retired writing professor and just super fun. And she brings, brings snacks and, and she gives us some prompts and we can write about anything we want and we can share if we want or we don't, but we most of us end up sharing. We have yoga nidra, which is mindfulness. You're literally laying on a blanket with a pillow and you're being led through scanning your body and where you hold your grief. It's Jill Weston of Breathing Space has been a dear friend and confident in this this organization. And she leaves that once a month. She doesn't charge me. I have restorative yoga. We're having a decluttering through grief class this, this month. We're always finding new opportunities for people to come and just experience with no expectations. And for those listening, this is in only in person, like in the Sacramento area, correct? Most of our offerings are in person. We do have some that are on Zoom. For instance, next month, Jill Weston is going to do her yoga nidra session on Zoom so that other people in other areas can experience that. Our decluttering through grief, which is actually this Wednesday, is on Zoom. I have people attending it who are in Colorado and other parts of California. So in the in the winter, we hold them at our space in Elk Grove. In the summer, we hold a lot of workshops out at our farm where we grow flowers, which is another another part of the conversation. No, but, actually, that bring it up right now because I, I saw that in your information and I think that's a beautiful mm-hmm. idea. So please share. It's one of my favorite parts of this. In the summer, we grow flowers out on a, a local farm. A dear friend of mine, Cliff Wilcox, who's going to be 80 this year, lets me grow flowers and we give them away all summer long. It's our outreach portion of Together We Heal community. It gets people involved in being outside. We have lots of volunteer opportunities for people to go out there and plant and weed and arrange and uh, deliver flowers. We have different businesses in Elk Grove that are willing to take those jars during the summer on a weekly basis. We bring 10 to 20 jars to a couple places around Elk Grove and people can pick them up for free. And it's just a way of encouraging people to start a conversation. So you can walk in, grab a, a jar. If you want to leave a donation, you can, but we don't, we don't ask for that. And it's, it's an opportunity for them to bring flowers to someone who they know are experiencing stress or anxiety or loss. It doesn't have to be through grief through death, but we're all grieving something right now. You know, we live in this broken world and with everything that's happened in the last couple of years, all the uncertainty, there's so much grief. There's loss of, of normalcy. So the flowers are our way to say, I'm not sure what to say to you. But here's some flowers and aren't they pretty? And they were grown for you. Everybody that put these together had you in mind for them. And I'm thinking of you and I'm here. The flowers uh, are started by seed about now. Right now we're underwater because it's it's been a tumultuous January. And we will have to start from scratch, scratch. It's looking pretty muddy out there right now. But we grow them by seed and then... It, during the summer, we have you pick days so people can go out there and pick them themselves. And I will tell you, it's magic. That place out there, 
the, the farm, Cliff Wilcox lets me do whatever I want. He doesn't charge me because he's so sweet and I love him. And uh, we have our wellness retreats out there. We had a wonderful wellness retreat in the fall and uh, we're having another one in April. And that wellness retreat was just come and be here with us. Uh, we had massage and yoga. We had nutritional components. We had the writing and it was catered and we had music and it was beautiful. And, and people just got to be outside and, and be open to new experiences that they wouldn't have normally found. And so that is a lot of what we do also. It is, tr- if you trust us, we trust these people and it's a, tr- it's a safe space and just come and experience it for 45 minutes. And if you don't like it, you never have to do it again, but maybe it will be your saving grace. For those listening who are, might be thinking, oh my gosh, this speaks to me. I would love to do something like this, but I feel so overwhelmed. Where do I even start? And you kind of spoke to how it started for you. But for those who are thinking that this could be something for them, right? For making purpose out of their pain, a nonprofit, not for profit, Mm -hmm. things like that. How do you make money, right? Because it's not for profit, but how do you, how does it fund itself? I mean, that might be a big question for that it people is. might have. It is. And I will tell you, I am, I am the first to say I do not fundraise well, but uh, we are funded all by donors, all by donors. So, and my, my executive board and I are working on um, how do we do that better, but our story entices people to be a part of this. So we have got uh, local organizations that want to be a part of this. Um, It's something that is needed. And it's something that I think are not just our community, but all communities lack is that support. And so we have recurring donors that we, we would love to have more recurring donors because it's a small portion, you know, it's $10 a month, it's $20 a month, it's whatever you want. And then we do have some big one-time donors. We're a part of Big Day of Giving, which we're excited. This is the second year that we get to be a part of Big Day of Giving, which is an, a day for people to just remember their nonprofits that they uh, have a heartstring to and, and be a part of that. I want people to want to be a part of Together We Heal community. Uh, most of our our costs are, are very low. Uh, our classes that we offer, sometimes they're free, sometimes they're $5. Uh, our UPIC days uh, generate a little bit of money. Our wellness retreat generate a tiny bit, but we really rely on donors who want to be a part of this, who, who want to put their name on Together We Heal community. And I think that's the neat part about it is you can be the reason why people get help. There are people that that have money to give and they don't know where to give it or that or they're not invested because emotionally invested. I think part of that tie to together we heal community is I want to be a part of that. That's something that is not done. And and grief work in general, I've had people ask me, why do you want to do this all the time? Because I'm here in my grief for a short period of time. I don't want to stay here. So why, why are you doing this? Because this is hard work emotionally to when people contact together, we heal community. It's me. I'm the first person they reach and, and it's hard sometimes. And my answer is that's because God put this on my heart. So he has enabled me to uh, have this first touch with people. And, and I, and I'm not the end point. I'm just the connector. 
I'm let's start here together. I won't leave you. I'm not going to abandon you because I think a lot of people have been abandoned in their grief. They're alone. Their family doesn't want to talk about it. They can't find that help uh, through the mental health world. You know, therapists are, are booked. Um, so I'm here as your land, your first landing point, but I'm not your end point. I love that. And I love how you, I just want to highlight something you said in that if someone who's listening, if this isn't something that's maybe meant for you to create an organization such as you did, you can still volunteer for an organization like this and find some purpose and meaning through your own story, but in giving to others, right? Yes. I think it is an overwhelming process to think about starting your own nonprofit, but I think where you can start is in your community, find nonprofits that are already doing it and just, just say, I'm here. Let's start. Let's start at ground zero, but I'm here and I want to give back and and start from there. Well, and here's the thing I want to highlight too, is that we all have our own unique strengths. And so even if you aren't sure, like, well, I'm not really sure what my gift is or what my, what my thing is about me that is, is awesome. I think you'd find that as you start, you know, it's like, follow the your curiosity, follow the nudges. If you feel nudged to, you know, check into something, follow that nudge, follow the curiosity that, has been placed within you, right? Yes. And I think acknowledge that it might be bigger than you. If you feel, you know, I, I am a very strong Christian and I pray about every single step I've made. Am I, is this what you want me to do, God? Is this it? And then asking him again and again, every single step. Am I doing this? Am I doing this selfishly or am I doing it for someone else? And I ask myself that because in the end, it's not sustainable if I'm doing it for, for myself. I have to, it has to be for, for others. I, I'm, I, God has given me a heart of service. I need to serve it. It fills my cup to serve others to, if it's just one person. Uh, and, and I'm finding that on, I know it's weird, but social media has been a catalyst to get more people to what we're offering. What good is it if you're offering something and nobody's taking advantage of it? But to, but our like Instagram has been a way of finding people all over the world. You know, I look at my my insights and I think, wow, I reached somebody in South Africa today. That's amazing. I feel the same way. It, even this podcast alone, it's on every continent and it it's humbling because it's something like just an idea. It starts with an idea. You never know where it's going to take you. Yeah. So through your work and through your own personal experience, what are some unhelpful and hurtful things that hurt you deeply as you were working through your grief? And I know you had a therapist throughout your life and that could help you through those things. I would say I'm unapologetic about how I feel. I'm an open book. Uh, If people don't like how I feel, I... I, I kind of, it, it doesn't bother me as much. I have, I have had a lot of family members say um, after a death that we had experienced that I, they should just get over it. <laughs> just get over it. It's been, it's been long enough. It's been long enough. Why don't you, why don't you just move on? And I think that's been, that's a trigger for a lot of people. Why aren't you at this point yet? Why aren't you at that point yet? 
you know, I'm fine. I've gotten over it. The whole you should get over it thinking is is very hurtful. So I, I would say that's the biggest trigger is that you're not where someone thinks that you should be. And again, you don't know anybody, any explanations as to where you are in your in your journey. And I know journey is a cliche word, but it really is a journey. It's ups and downs. It is you're fine and then you smell somebody's perfume and it catapults you back. So I, I think just being strong in in your your process is important to remember because you will have people that do not understand. It is not, it is not for you. I think sometimes too, people who, cause I experienced that as well, you know, especially I think with child grievers, especially, I mean, you've, we've been as children, we've carried this our entire lives practically. Yes. And so people can easily say, Oh, you should be over it by now. I mean, that happened when you were a child, you know? And I think what's interesting is that, and I, I know this specifically for myself, I had someone say that to me. And what's interesting is that person has that person's who passed away, the mutual person has their cologne in the cupboard in their bathroom. Mm -hmm. And I thought, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. So you never really know the people that are saying those things really could be judging themselves. I should be over it. So you should be over it too, but I'm not, but yeah. I'm going to tell you, you should be yeah. <laughs> projecting and, your pain. You know? Exactly. And not everybody knows how to really process that. So just like, like any child with a wound, often that wound becomes uh, a way that you, that you uh, hurt others. And so what has your grief taught you? That God has made us resilient beings. I've spent a lot of time pouring myself over my grief, you know, reading, reading the Bible. I mean, my grief has taught me lean on the Lord. The human beings in our world, whether we're extremely close to them or they're enemies because they've, they've said things that hurt us, human beings are going to disappoint us. So my grief has taught me trust the Lord, read over his word, lean into him, and he will guide you. So he has guided me, you know, one of my prayers when God set this on my heart, and I literally know the moment that God set this on my heart. And he said, use your pain for purpose. It's time. He said, you stay in your lane. I'll bring the right people at the right time. And that that, that is very important. I will bring the people to you at the right time, not in my time. So I think that there is a reason why I ha- it's taken me this long to start this organization. I have had to, and I use this word often with people, sometimes you just have to sit and marinate with it. Marinate in your grief. It's an awful place to be. But without, without that acknowledgement, you're not going to heal. So he has brought... Because I've leaned on the Lord and and waited for him, he has brought me. It's a gift. I meet someone new through someone else. The power of networking. The power of networking. But God's the boss of networking. (laughs) And I'll meet someone. And after, I just kind of sit and think, whoa, 
I could have never done that on my own. Never. I could have never met that person. I cannot believe I just met that person. And look at all the good we're going to do together. He, this person is going to make my organization better. I love that. I love how you said that. God is the boss of networking. <laughs> good. <laughs> that, might be your, that might be your quotable for this episode. <laughs> I love it. So let me ask you this. What has, what have you learned about yourself in starting Together We Heal community? I will say this. I have been dreaming about this wellness retreat out the farm for probably three and a half years. And last summer, I, I told my people, all of my volunteers, all of the people that are involved in Together We Heal community, I said, we're going to make this happen this year. And, um, and we threw it together, together in about three months. And afterwards, uh, one, of, one of the facilitators came up to me and she said, you know, I'll be honest, um, I penciled this in because I thought there's no way. But what I learned is, oh, Jill's doing it. This is going to happen. And so um, I have a lot more confidence in myself that if I follow God's lead and do the things that he's telling me to do, I will not fail. It is, I just know, God, God and I prayed about this and God said, do this. So I know he's going to make it happen. And, and so I, I've learned that I can get a lot accomplished. I am a squirrel. I am a self-proclaimed ADHD child, um, but I can get a lot done. And a, a lot of that is because God and I did it together. God brought in the people, God got, God brought in the donors. Um, and so God's leading this. So I, this is, this is happening. So not doubt myself. Do not, I don't doubt myself. And that's great advice for others as well. I I hope so. Is there anything else about Together We Heal Community or your story? Anything we you didn't get a chance to share that you would like to add? Mm-hmm. Well, since we're on the topic of starting nonprofits, you know, one of my pieces of advice is you can have big goals, but you need to start small. Don't overwhelm yourself with the end result. Start with what you have first. You can have your five-year goal, seven-year goal, and know that that goal will change. Uh, When I first started this, I thought it was going to be all for children because I was a childhood griever. And so that's my soft spot is how do we help children that, that are needing help, but maybe their parents or guardians don't know how to get them that help. So I first thought, Everything I was going to do was just for kids. And, and that now that's something that I look back at and think, oh, well, we didn't do that at all. Are we going to do that next? Are we? So start small. Um, God will bring the right people um, into place when it's time, but you start, start with what you, what you can do at the moment. The flowers started with, I asked the farmer, Hey, um, can I grow some flowers? I'm not even really sure why. But I just want to. And he said, sure. And I threw a hose down a 300 foot row and I grew flowers and weeds and I picked them myself and I arranged them and I gave them to my neighbors and my friends and just thought, I don't know what I'm doing, but let's do this. And now last year we had over 1600 feet of flowers. We gave away 650 jars ish more. Um, I had no idea I was going to be doing that. So 
know, be open, but start small. I want to share something you you said and just kind of piggyback it because even though you haven't, your services and what you've done haven't like tailored to children, I think the biggest impact that we can have on children and their grief is as adults, we learn how to process our own and we, we actually do work on our own stuff because in doing so, we become better parents. We become better individuals in the community. We know how to better support children in their grief. We learn through our own processing how to better support children. I think really, truly, I mean, it starts in the home. And so as if you're, I can just attest to myself and maybe you can too, is I was a raging mom because I had a lot of unprocessed grief and a lot of unprocessed anger. Mm -hmm. And as you become a parent, it brings up all of your insecurities. So to starting a business, right? And I'm sure that starting this nonprofit, it brings up everything. It's so confronting and you have no choice but to deal with it or become this. It brings out aspects of you that you aren't proud of. Yes. And again, I'm a parent of two. Oh my goodness. Let your children see you cry. Mm -hmm. Let your children see you be broken. I think that's important. Now you don't need to be a hot mess 24 seven, but I think it's important for them to see you be human. Being human means you're going to hurt. That expectation that everything's going to always be okay is not realistic. So how do I show my kids how I've coped with with the pains of life. So be open. Don't be afraid to have those conversations with your kids. Um, Let them see you cry. Oh my goodness. Let them see you cry and let them see you, you know, work through your struggles. Um, Have an open dialogue with them. You know, I am, I'm always telling my kids if you need, you know, it can be messy. Tell me what's on your mind. I sit with them. Um, My husband and I, uh, pray with them. We have devotions. Uh, it, you know, life is raw. Uh, and I think it's important for our kids to see us in that raw mode. You cannot protect your children from pain. You can't protect yourself from pain. But we need to talk about it. it we need to have an open dialogue. And it's ugly. And we can become better equipped. Absolutely. There are tools. There, are, there is knowledge out there. Pick up the book, The Grief Recovery Handbook, for starters. <laughs> Yeah, I need that book. Yeah, understand grief itself, because as we've talked about at the beginning of this episode, which is this is a great way to tie it up, is that we simply do not know what to do with it. And so as an adult, if you are angry and you have a child who is expressing anger on a consistent basis, they're only a mirror. Yes, they're only being a mirror. Don't be surprised then when your child is angry, if you are an angry parent. And where is the grief that is unprocessed there? I think it's also important to tell them, tell children that just because I am dealing with it this way, maybe what sounds, what sounds good to you to start? What are you comfortable with starting? You know, I always talk about possibly starting a journal or doing art therapy. Let's get color crayons depending on their ages. Um, let's just get out. But everybody does process grief differently. And that's important for them to know, Hey, I, this is how I deal with grief and, and, but it might not be how you're most comfortable with dealing with it. So what, what do you feel like doing, you know, and, and, you know, there are 
there are lots of ways to word it because everybody has a different personality and you know your children best, but but it's important to know to for them to find their own unique way that they can process their grief or their stress or the anxiety. You know, that's that's all big big words right now is anxiety. We're all having a little bit of that. And it's grief. <laughs> At the end of the yes. day, it's just the loss weird. of the loss of that you can, you know, walk out the door and expect certain things that's no longer there. Yeah. The loss of, of hopes, dreams and expectations and yes. anything we wish would be different, better or more is grief. Yes. So thank you so much for being here and for the work that you're doing and in your community and the information that you're sharing and your gift of creating purpose from your pain. Thank you so much. Thank you for letting me share. And remember, when you unleash your heart, you unleash your life. Much love. From my heart to yours, thank you for listening. If you like this episode, please share it, because sharing is caring. And until next time, give and share compassion by being a heart with ears. And if you're hurting, know that what you're feeling is normal and natural. Much love, my friend. Thank you.